Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Our next guest is a former political journalist whose blog, The Thud, grew a massive following of mums who loved the honest, funny comments on parenting that were on the website. Lauren Dubois is a mum of 2.75 children. Before falling pregnant with her third, she wrote a book called You Will Probably Survive and Other Things They Don't Tell You About Motherhood. Lauren says it's not a parenting manual, but rather an insight into what motherhood is really about. She joins me in the studio. Hi, Lauren. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? You left a political reporting career to have your family. Yeah. What was that transition like from, you know, being in the halls of power to looking after small children? Uh, well, it's I, I joke all the time, not that different <laughs> because politicians are basically large toddlers. They're very selfish. They're very <laughs> egocentric. They, um, they want all of your attention. They think everything's about them. So really very similar. <laughs> <laughs> and at what point did you decide to start writing about that experience? Uh, I think my son, my, my firstborn, was about 12 months old when I thought, well, I just, um, I had the option to go back to work, but I was finding it difficult to get any sort of media um, job that would let me come back part-time um, because they're not as keen to let uh, mums come back. And I, I had such an urge to write um, because it's just what I've always done. And so I decided to do the really cliched thing and start a blog. And, and I was really surprised at how, at how popular it got so quickly. And, and I've just loved it ever since because motherhood was such an, an overwhelming experience for me because um, coming from a professional world, I sort of expected to be good at it. <laughs> I sort of expected, you know, I'm a very competent woman. I'm not, you know, not a teenager. I can do this. And then I realized that, I'm, that I wasn't actually excellent at it. And um, I had just so many thoughts about it. And, I, you know, I, I just wanted to share my journey. And I had a great mother's group and we would talk about it all the time, about how crap it was. And, you know, we'd say, but, we, you know, we love our babies, but why aren't we better at this? And so I wanted to start writing about it and um, because I thought if if I'm feeling like this, maybe other women are feeling like this as well. And sharing it actually just made me feel a whole lot better. And hearing from other mums who felt the same way, it just, oh, it was like a balm to the soul. <laughs> and were you, is your style of writing different to when you were writing about politics? Because, um, you know, political writing can sometimes be quite dry for people. But if you wrote about politics the way you write about family life, I'm sure it was a lot of fun for your readers. <laughs> or did you find that writing about family life gave you more license to be real and yeah. honest and funny. Well, when I was in TV and radio, it was very dry. It has to be quite dry. But I um I did do some sketch writing and um, political sketch writing for online and um and that's sort of what led to me writing funny stuff about parenting because I found I had a bit of a knack for that sort of writing and I think just making fun of things was just it, it does lend itself to politics and to parenting. It's hard not to make fun of politics and it's hard not to make fun of parenting because I think for both it, it, it's otherwise really serious 
and it might make you cry. <laughs> or you can just have a bit of a laugh and, and make it a bit more fun. And I think people enjoy having a laugh. Yeah, like you say, laugh or cry. Yeah. Um, and how did you find that experience of um, how popular your blog became and then Instagram and all the followers that you have on that? Because last count, you have 25,000 followers. Yeah. Um, did you have to seriously get your head around what that actually meant in terms of responding to comments and how many people were actually aware of you and your life and your family? It's becoming um, more and more apparent and responding to comments and everything is something I've always wanted to do because honestly, without the people who comment and talk to me, I wouldn't have a lot of the content in my book because some of the mums who follow me are the funniest people I know and the things they share with me give me so much more insight into motherhood and it's given me, you know, I joke that it's kind of like I've done a five-year PhD on motherhood because I've had a constant case study in all of the people who follow me. So I do try to respond to people um, as much as possible. The DMs on my Instagram sometimes get a little bit out of control but you know, mostly it's really positive and, and people um, feel invested in me and my family. And, and I know that that comes from a real place of love and support most of the time. Um, and it, it can be really nice. And, and I have become a lot more aware that, you know, when we're out and about, people recognize us and come up and speak to us, which I just want, for the record, I, I do actually prefer people to come up and say hello. It does get a little bit um, unnerving when people send you a message afterwards saying, oh, I saw you at the shops today. Because <laughs> then I think, oh, God, was I screaming at my children? Or, you know, was I walking around with, with a face like thunder? Or, you know, I get worried that they didn't come up to me because I was in a really bad place. So, yeah, I would prefer people to just come up and say hello, um, which is which is nice. People are people are gen genuinely really lovely to me. One of the things that I find um, really interesting about Instagram because I'm Gen X, I, I do have an Instagram account, but I have to really think about photos before I take them. It's not a natural thing. Whereas when I've worked with millennials, it's almost like a second thought. Like they don't, it, it's not even a thought; it just happens because it's so natural for mm. them. Is um, maintaining that different though? Because you you chose you wanted a part time job when you had your children. I can't see your um, blog and your Instagram being part time. Is it possible to do it? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, it takes so much more time than people think. And and I get a lot of messages from people saying, "Oh, I want to start a blog, or I want to start an Instagram account, and you know, give me some tips." And I always say to people, just so you know, it takes so much more time than you think it takes because it's not just snapping a photo and putting it on Instagram. You've got to make sure the photo looks good. Um, even if it's just a natural candid moment, you've still got to fiddle with the, the lighting and everything to make sure it looks nice. You've got to do an interesting caption. Then you've got to be available for the comments and responding to those comments. And, and then there's the other stuff like the stories and everything that you have to do throughout the day. And, and if you don't do enough stories, people will send you a message to say, is everything okay? Where are you? What are you doing? And sometimes it's like, I'm just sitting at home <laughs> doing absolutely nothing of interest. So <laughs> I've got nothing to post. But um, is there a pressure? Is, is there a pressure in that in terms of... Um, like I think about 
the news cycle, which you were very much a part of, being a voracious beast. But then I look at Instagram, um, and my other background is in photography. So I used to produce photographers, so I know what goes into a good photo. Um, And it's not just about taking the photo. It's about having something interesting to shoot Mm. um, and getting your children to be in the shot if it needs to be. And it seems to me that Instagram is a more demanding form of media than any political reporting you might have done in terms of constantly having a story to tell. It is. It, it really is. And, and there is a lot of pressure to post something on a really regular basis. And, you know, sometimes it'll be a few days between posts for me because I just have nothing to say <laughs> or, um, or I have I don't have a photo to go with what I have to say. And sometimes there is that sort of moment where you think, I've got a really interesting caption here, but I don't have a photo to go with it. Do I now set up a photo to take because that feels really unnatural and weird? Um, you know, obviously some people are really good at styled staged photos. I'm not. Um, I'm much more of a candid type of person. But um, yeah, there is there is a real pressure to put out content constantly. And sometimes it can feel like it's it hasn't come naturally that it's a bit more manufactured and but that's I think something that's that media it, though right that's media and if you and if you want to do it you're going to have to just grapple with that and um and otherwise put nothing out or figure out a way to make it happen somehow and sometimes that's just trawling back and finding a really old photo and using that <laughs> yeah that'll do that'll do but I just want to tell the story and, and yep. I think you know some people are more image focused and some people are more story focused. I'm much more story focused, so I'm obviously much more about the caption and and what I'm writing. And the the, the photo is usually a, an afterthought, um, which does sometimes cause me a bit of a roadblock because I've got to You're find a picture to go with it. Gonna, yeah. We'll be back with Lauren right after this. Um, Vanity Fair wrote an article very recently about um, so-called MRFs. So this was the um, Courtney Adamos and yeah. women of. Byron Bay, who have scathing. It was scathing. I thought it was brilliantly written, but there were a lot of, there's been a lot of sort of mixed response to that. Mm. And I'm curious how you found the article and what it made you think and feel about. I thought it had a lot of brilliant points, to be honest. And, and I do, what I saw was that, um, you know, there was a really good point about some mummy bloggers or influencers who don't realize that the life they're living is not the same life as everybody else and sometimes they live in their little bubble and they think this is how everybody does it and and they don't always think about the person who's viewing that image and how that might make them feel or what impact it might have on their life and and the way it can um, there's also a really great book um how to be perfect by <laughs> yes, Holly Wayne, right? yes. um, where it talks about, you know, the impact that, you know, when people follow certain people on Instagram and they start to really buy into that life and they start to look at their own life and think, oh, I don't measure up and my life isn't perfect like that. And I don't look like that. And my kids don't wear those clothes and my house isn't nice like that. And, and I think there has come, um, a responsibility on both the user and the the content creator, for the user to be able to look at certain accounts and go, you know, that account is not for me and it doesn't make me feel good about myself. And I think there is an onus on the the viewer 
to say, okay, I'm going to switch off from that account because it's not good for me. But I also think that I think it's important for influencers to know that, you know, sometimes they have a bit of a responsibility to show a bit more of their real life in the same way as, you know, magazines have a responsibility to not airbrush models, you know, and it's the same sort of thing. If we're airbrushing our life, what, what impact is that having on the mental health of the people who are looking at it? And, you know, a, a lot of people would disagree with that and say, well, that's, if that's what you want to put out, that's what you want to put out. But I think it's, it, it's probably a good idea to think about the people who are looking at it and what, how it's making them feel. I mean, if we're looking at it as a media, as all media has responsibility, right? Mm. You can't say as a photographer, well, I didn't, it's not up to me. I just pressed the button. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, pre- you chose to press the button. There's still, a, there's still a choice in there. And, we've... and then you chose that image to share. Yes. Because you thought it would make people feel a certain way. And, exactly. You know, and I think... I think there are a lot of um, influencers and mummy bloggers out there at the moment who, who are more aware of, of showing the reality of, of being able to maybe take a beautiful photo of the playroom, but then moving the camera a little bit to go, okay, this is where I shoved all the junk on the yeah. side <laughs> yes. so that it looked like it was really, <laughs> yeah. and you know, one thing that I've um, discovered is it is really nice to have a pat on the back and for people to go, oh, well done, you're amazing, you're a super mum, you know, everything's beautiful in your life but it actually feels so much better for people to to give you a hug and go oh god me too my day was crap as well um and so sometimes sharing the hard parts and the messy parts and the ugly parts is a lot more rewarding than sharing the pretty parts and I think a lot of people will have have experienced that one time where they go you know what today was rubbish and everybody is so happy to jump on and go oh mine too or I hope you're okay or everybody has those days people like to support each other in those hard times you can't you need it yeah you do <laughs> need it and sometimes you know I'll have a couple of days where everything's going great and then I'll have a really bad day and there'll people come on going oh I'm kind of glad you're having a, da- a bad day because <laughs> I was also having a bad day and it makes me feel better to know that you're having a bad day. I love it that that's the way you put it because I sometimes feel like if I have a good day, I have to let people know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, Just letting you know today great. was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't say anything about my children or my husband. They're, they're all fabulous. <laughs> now, you're pregnant with your third baby. Is there any part of your book that you think, oh, shit, I better go back and reread that bit? I it was um, actually really handy because well I think mother nature just makes you forget pregnancy oh, with yeah. reason like there is a reason you don't remember what pregnancy is like it's because she wants you to have more children <laughs> <laughs> so it was very very handy that I was able to go back and edit the pregnancy section um, because there were a lot of things I had forgotten about like the psycho psychedelic dreams you have oh, yes that make you think oh I'm not a good person. <laughs> Intense. I am not sane. I should not be bringing a child into this world yeah, because that was with weird. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so, you know, that's right because it's not a pe- – it's just telling you as it is. Yeah. It's not saying why. Maybe yeah. we'll pursue that on another episode. <laughs> Psychedelic pregnancy dreams. Oh, they're so disturbing. So but disturbing. There were a lot of little things that I'd forgotten about pregnancy that I was able to go back and go, oh, I have to put this in there because this is a thing that happens to your body. And it's so weird. I mean, pregnancy is just – just weird Um, and (laughs) and the fun thing about it is so many weird things happen to your body and you can always just go oh that's probably a pregnancy symptom (laughs) yeah hopefully I'll just just assume and one of my favorite bits is that um 
I, I do a rundown of all of the weird things that happen to your body, like from the hair on your head down to the toes on your feet. And one of the things I put in there was itchy armpits because when I was pregnant with my first, I had the itchiest armpits. They were so itchy. <laughs> and I remember going to my doctor going, what is it? Why? And she was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, yep, sure. And so I put it in the book because I was like, it, look, nobody's ever told me about this. I've never, f but if it's in a book, it's legitimate. <laughs> it was a pregnancy symptom. So if anyone out there has itchy armpits. It's a thing. Lauren it's, has discovered. I have made it legitimate. <laughs> it's in a real book. So someone go. is going to see it and go and research it. <laughs> um, what about when the third baby arrives? Do you think there's anything in your book for that moment? Because each child is different, aren't mm. they? Yeah. No, well, see. I sort of purposely wrote the book as if it was for like a one a, first know, time first, mother, first time mother, um, because it's almost like I just couldn't even broach the topic of second and third children because it's just so much bigger. <laughs> they just then everyone would stop procreating. Yeah, yeah. Mother just, nature would be gosh, cross with you. There's so much more to say. Um, I think most of all, it's just it's the lesson in the book that you will you will probably survive, and I think I'll just have to keep saying that to myself. It's okay, and I think knowing that everything's a stage. I mean, the book goes from pregnancy, newborn, babyhood, and toddlerhood, and a little bit beyond. And it's just a reminder to everybody that every stage happens, and then it passes into a new stage. And you might feel like you're really ruining your child at one stage, but it's okay because they'll move on. And, and you can ruin the next ruin stage. Ruin the next stage. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, so your book is out now. It is. Have you had much response from your community about the book? Yeah, and, and the loveliest response. I, you know, I've had people set timers on their calendars so they could go and pick it up from the stores and um, people are so excited to get it and a lot of people are telling me that they're buying it for, you know, pregnant friends and stuff, which actually makes me feel a little nervous because <laughs> I don't want to terrify people <laughs> who are, are about to give birth. Um because I, I it, it's for it's for women who have just had their baby. Well, it's I know oh, it's pregnancy too. I know it's it's it is for pregnancy and, and but I I feel like women who have older children will probably appreciate the book more because it's less traumatic when you've already been through it. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to trigger women who are in it at the time. I think it's as long as they have a sense of humor. Oh yeah, and that's the most it. important part. I, it's not for the faint-hearted. I don't pull punches, <laughs> and um, some of my humor is is a little edgy, but um. But that's what you want, right? You, just, you don't want people to wrap you up in cotton wool when you're... Well, I think a lot of um, motherhood books and parenting books are made for... Like, I think they sometimes think women are brain dead or that they've lost their sense of humour just because they've got children. And I just think that's bull. I think some of the mums I know are the funniest, wittiest, cleverest people I know. So why do we have to talk down to mums and make everything all like, oh, it's all sweet and lovely and here's your little building blocks, baby. And oh, that's rubbish. Women are, you know, they've got really dirty mouths <laughs> and they've got, and, you know, motherhood can make you really edgy. Like you, if you survive toddlerhood, like it's like you've been through the war and you know exactly what I'm talking about. So yes, <laughs> you, yeah, I think, I think women deserve some proper humour. Yeah, and some truth too, yeah. because there will also be women who have been fed the idea that motherhood is the Huggies ad. Oh, yes. And that leads to great disappointment. I, and 
not just disappointment, I actually feel like it, it leads to mental health issues, truly, because I think there are women who are sitting there scrolling through Instagram and they see photos of women who have one week postpartum and they're, you know, sitting in a cafe drinking a latte and they've got their baby in their baby wrap and everything looks beautiful. <laughs> and and for the mum who's sitting at home on the couch with an ice pack between her legs. Crying because breastfeeding Crying because her nipples are bleeding. Watching reruns of Grey's Anatomy. Um, <laughs> she looks at that and goes, well, what's wrong with me? And she's thinking well, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Motherhood is actually rubbish. I hate this. And then she feels really alone because that image is not particularly Instagrammable. Nobody's putting up those images. And so she thinks she's the only one. And that can be a really damaging cycle to start where you start to go, I don't like this. I'm not good at it. This is really horrible. And I'm the only one out there who feels like this. So I wanted to write a book that said, that's completely normal. Like what you're going through is so standard. And yeah, sometimes it sounds a little bit rough when you put it down on paper, but hopefully someone will read that and go, oh, so I'm not alone. This is completely normal. And I'm not saying that going for a jog on the beach with your two-week-old child (laughs) is not normal. It's just not as common. (laughs) It's just not as common as the woman who is sitting up at 1am and 3am and 4am and 4.30am feeding her baby going, Mm. oh my God, when does this end? And I I do love that at the start of the book, you refer to motherhood as as not just a, you know, oh, here's the baby and off we go. It's a it's a whole change of life. It is. And we should see it like that. Otherwise, it's it's much harder to understand why it's so difficult. And the most fascinating, I could talk about this forever, so <laughs> you're going to have to cut me off. But it's, there's a thing called matrescence. And um, it was a term that was coined by a psychologist um, back in the 70s who had all these women coming in saying, I'm depressed. I have postnatal depression. And she would speak with them and go, well, no, actually, you're not depressed. You're just struggling to cope with the change of motherhood. And she came up with this term matrescence, which sounds a lot like adolescence. So adolescence is the change from a child to an adult. And matrescence is the change from a woman to a mother. And she says in the same way as adolescence changes your brain chemistry and changes your body and it changes, you know, everything – So does motherhood. It changes the way your brain works. It changes so many parts of your body and it changes your relationships. It changes the reason you get up in the morning. It changes what is important to you. It changes, you know, the way you relate to your friends and your family. It changes everything. And I think it's something you can't even comprehend until you're in it. And then you suddenly realize, oh my God, everything changed. Why didn't everybody, why didn't anybody (laughs) warn me that everything was going to change? And sometimes that can be really difficult for women. Some women will have a baby and just go, yep, I'm a mum. No big deal. Off I go. I'm loving it. And other women will take a lot longer to feel comfortable being called mum. It took me a really long time for someone to call me, oh, that, you know, you're a mum. And I'd go, oh, 
Really? Yeah, especially yeah. when you're in the hospital and you only just had the baby yeah, know, and they call so you mum and baby. It feels so, it's mm. like, no, but yesterday I was Lauren and today yeah. I'm mum. It's so like, it just, and it's funny because they stop calling you Lauren because you are no longer Lauren. You are just the mother and people stop coming to talk to you. They're coming to visit the baby. And it's like when you're pregnant, everybody's fussing about you because oh, you're amazing and you're pregnant. And then you have a baby and it's all about baby. Nobody cares about you anymore. You're just that woman <laughs> no. sitting in the corner who gave birth. Good on you. But, um. And that whole transition, the reason why I think it's so important we talk about it more is because there is that pressure to just keep going and to go back to work and don't give up your identity, don't get lost in motherhood, don't do this, don't do that. So you're thinking, well, your whole world is kind of collapsing around you. People are saying, oh, women have done it for years, get on with it. I hate that. I hate that women have done it for years. (laughs) Well, okay, sure, but women have struggled with it for years and particularly this idea that you should just cope with it, that, that you're a woman, so therefore you know how to do it. You've got a baby now, you're a mum, get on with it. And I think that's just a horrible way to look at it. And people, you know, it's like that saying, everybody comes to hug the baby, but who's hugging the mum? And I really wish more people would hug the mum and just say, I get it, you're going through something really big right now. And I get really excited for first-time mums because I like I want to hug them and go, you don't even know what's coming. <laughs> I just want to give you a big hug because your life is about to change and eventually you will realise it changed for the better. But there might be a time where you struggle. You struggle betwe- between recon- reconciling who you were with who you now are. And there'll be times where you want to go back to who you were because you'll be like, oh, I didn't sign up for this. And then your kids are five and you're like, I'm I'm home by nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, I don't want to go back. There's no way you could pay me to go back. I would back go to that. clubbing. Oh, God, I can sit please. on the lounge and watch Netflix. <laughs> that is my dream. Yeah, my life is so much better now. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I think there, there's always a period of time where we just need to support a new mum. And I don't mean uh, physical support is great. Bring food, take care of her, clean her house, all of that. But just that emotional support of saying, look, if you're struggling, that's okay. You don't have to love every minute of this. You don't have to feel like a mum yet. You don't have to have the answers. You don't even have to have instincts right now. They'll come. Just let it happen. Don't push yourself to be a version of motherhood that you thought you were going to be because that can cause some real internal struggle and it can be really emotionally hard. Mm. There's so much in that book as well as (laughs) this conversation. Um, Lauren, thank you so much for coming in and chatting with us. It's my pleasure. Thank you. That's Lauren Dubois. Her book, You Will Probably Survive and Other Things They Don't Tell You About Motherhood, is out now. We'll put links to where you can get a copy in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.